0: Friends, welcome back to the Ransom Tar Podcast. John Eldridge in the studio this week with Alan Arnold on our team. And we've got something um, really fun and I think kind of exciting and hopeful for you over a couple of podcasts here. We actually get a number of requests about the whole realm of creativity, and writing, um, specifically, people will ask us, you know, hey, how did you get started as writers or, or what's your writing process like? But more often, it's a little broader than that. Um, people will just say, hey, I'm looking for a little more creativity in my life. I feel like I do have something to offer. I have a message or I have an art that I want to bring or, or I want to grow in those capacities. And how would you guys recommend, you know, I develop those capacities in me and we have a new resource on that that um, you're going to love. But before we get into that, I want to let you get to know Alan a little bit more. A number of you have heard Alan on the podcast now for some years, but Alan is the director over all of our content here at Ransomed Hard and therefore the producer of the podcast, but also the various uh, film projects, curriculums book launches, all the different things that we put out here to the world um, by way of bringing our message out. And Alan's got an interesting background. Alan, how did you get into the world of words and message and creativity?
1: My story started really with creativity early on through story. And so as a young boy, just captured by stories of adventure, stories of The Unexpected. Um, I can remember reading comic books, five, six, seven, eight. I loved comic books. I did too. And the the superhero stories, the fantastical just drew me in. And the heroic, the way that good won over evil. Mm. And so as a boy, I really learned a lot of what I thought it meant to be a man through story. Mm. Because while I had a father and he loved being a dad, Uh, he didn't necessarily know how to mentor or raise up a boy in the ways of manhood. Mm. And so God, I think in his kindness, one way he fathered me was through story. Oh, wow. So that, that was a constant in my life early on through high school, through college. And then after college, I ended up at an ad agency. And John, I don't know if you've heard of like the Mad Men series that was out a few years ago, but it was about life in the 1960s ad agency world. Oh, no, And it was not a series necessarily that I'd recommend, but it captured the craziness of that world. And that was still pretty much the world when I entered into advertising right out of college. So major city, major advertising agency, super creative people. But looking back, a lot of young men who had never... Matured in masculinity, but chased and pursued creativity at all costs. So, these highly creative but young men. And if you'd come in and there was a problem with the campaign or with the storyboard, they would throw a stapler at your head. <laughs> like, and that was just okay. <laughs> like, there was no HR department. It was just that was part of the creative environment. Well, it was a great place, though, to cut my teeth on the power of saying words in a way that was memorable. Mm. And how do you create advertising that doesn't feel like an intrusion, but actually creates conversation with people? And so that was a high period of creativity. But after about three or four years, I, I quickly realized, I don't want to be in an environment that simply is creative. I want the creativity to matter for something. And that's when I shifted out of that world into Christian publishing Mm. and started doing the creative marketing campaigns for authors who had a message that hopefully brought life to people.
0: You got into Christian publishing like 25 years ago?
1: Yeah, it was 25 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's been a while now. And then, not to make Alan boast, I'll boast for him, kind of rose through the ranks uh, and eventually became vice president uh, at a major Christian publishing house over fiction of all things so suddenly you're kind of at the apex of your career but you're back in the life of story
1: it came full circle back to story in only a way god could have done it and just an aside that that was in my entry into that my favorite author at the time and this was when i was in my young 20s was an author named stephen lawhead he writes sci-fi fantasy epic a lot of celtic mythology and I loved this writer, and he, he is Christian, but he writes general fiction. Yep. And so he really transformed my way of seeing a lot about who God is, the mystical, the surreal, in some beautiful ways. And so that caused me to want to get into Christian publishing. Well, now fast forward 10 years later after I've been in Christian publishing, I start a fiction division. And I'm sitting in Times Square with an agent in New York, and I look on his bookshelf behind him as I'm talking to him about future projects and authors we might work with, and I see Stephen Lawhead's books. And he goes, oh yeah, I'm, I'm Steve's agent. And I was like, well, I'd love to publish him. And he's like, no, 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 he, he's not going to go with a Christian publishing house. And he explained why. Well, I just ran for it, gave it all I, I had, and a few years later, I'm Stephen Lawhead's publisher. And so well, that's fun. what brought me a love of seeing how Christians could create literature in a way that wasn't heavy-handed, that was epic, beautiful storytelling, that brings me into it. And then I become the publisher and ultimately republish those very books with him.
0: Oh, that's fun. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I remember you describing, although, you know, VP at a major publishing house has got a lot of budget, and personnel, and supervisory responsibilities, and that kind of thing. Your joy in those days was helping people tell their stories.
1: Absolutely. And it was a feeling, too, John, that there was, in our culture, somehow Christians had lost the ability to compete with the secular world in terms of great storytelling, in terms of art. So, even though as creators, we should be the most creative, serving God who's a creator, it felt like somehow stories had become formulaic, they had become uh, merely ways to teach a lesson, and so the power of the stories had been lost. So that was one of my great joys, was how do I find storytellers who love God and who we can bring to market, whether it's general fiction or Christian fiction, Mm -hmm. stories that can compete on the level of, of secular fiction?
0: Right. And wasn't uh, Ted Decker one of your authors in those days?
1: Yes. uh, He writes supernatural, speculative-type fiction that he sold millions and millions and millions of books. Super creative guy. And we met in the first book or two of his career and really got to partner together through – 30 or 35 novels. Holy cow. Before I ended up coming to Ransomed Heart. And what was beautiful about that is he is a true storyteller. One of the first things he told me is Alan, I don't write to teach a lesson, I write to discover. And as a storyteller, when you write to discover, readers will follow you anywhere. Mm. But when you write to teach a lesson mm-hmm. and you become a teacher instead of a storyteller, at that point, you need to quit telling stories and get into preaching or nonfiction, but yeah, right. but you're not a storyteller at that point. And yeah. so I learned a lot from him.
0: And you know, that's fascinating because I remember an interview that I read with Tolkien a number of years ago. And in the interview, they were trying to push into Lord of the Rings. Um, and as you know, that was published in the 40s and 50s. And they were trying to, okay, you know, is the Dark Lord Nazi Germany? And they were trying to find who's Christ. And and they were pushing into Tolkien to go, okay, you know, thanks for the great story, but what does it mean? You know, who yes, who are the allegories? Yes. And and he kind of scratched his head and he's like, I, I didn't think of it like that. No, that's not even how I approached this. I simply wanted to tell a great story. These aren't yes. direct parables, you know, for our world <laughs> today. And that's a helpful piece on creativity. Yes. You also have become a, a fairly regular speaker at Christian writer conferences now. Uh, those who are writers and aspiring writers come to these various conferences, and you'll give an address there. What's the message? What's kind of the basic thing that you're saying to... Aspiring creatives.
1: Well, I I see my role there is different than almost any other speaker that's there, and and my role, I feel like God's invitation has been go after the hearts of creatives and awaken their heart to a better way to create. Meaning, and John, I've been to probably three hundred writers conferences, and and so this isn't the first or second time, and. I didn't realize this early on, and in fact, my early teaching there would have been much more toward the craft of writing or the marketing aspect of writing, which both are important. But what God revealed to me over time is the foundation that's being missed is how to create with me. And so what happens is these writers gather, they're around other writers, and quickly comparison starts to happen, Mm. insecurity ego. uh, And then to make matters, what I would say worse is the focus is on the manuscript. So it's like the story that they're holding up is where all the focus goes. And that's where critique and craft help and agents react and editors react and other writers react. And all of that can be healthy and good and necessary. But the foundation that I believe has to be there first is what is your deeper identity and how are you co-creating with God? Because if you get that foundation in place, then yes, add craft, add teaching, add marketing, social media expertise. But without that, Mm. people start, uh, as they would in any industry event like that, comparing and trying to validate in the wrong ways. And so the end result is – good-hearted, creative people leave heavier than when they came. As God started showing me that, and I started seeing that again and again at really great conferences, I was like, God, what's going on? He said, the heart is being missed. And so he invited me into those circumstances now to set a different foundation. Mm -hmm. And so people can leave actually lighter and more expectant and more passionate about their creativity and that, that makes all the difference in the world. So that's my mission now at writers' conferences.
0: Oh, my goodness. And it feels so obvious once you say it. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, watch your heart, guard over your heart, because it is the wellspring of life within you. Like, if your heart is not doing well, how can you hope to do well creatively?
1: Right. But... In full transparency, as a fiction publisher, I missed that with my own heart for most of the time I was the fiction publisher. So I'm in a creative industry, I'm leading a division, which at the time was the top Christian fiction publishing house in the world in terms of of just imprint and size and number of books. And I loved it and I really wanted to be the best possible publisher to take care of the authors. But the problem was, I didn't know how to take care of my own heart. Mm. And if you can't take care of your own heart, you're not gonna be able to go after the hearts of others. Mm -hmm. And so we were working really hard to tell stories of excellence and we were missing the main thing. And so I get how they can miss it. Like when I go to those events, there's nothing in me but empathy, in just this hunger to help them awaken because I know what it's like when you're right in it and you miss it, like I missed it. And I was a hard driving executive back then and um, it took until about the time I left for Ransomed Heart for my own heart to awaken to what is the bigger picture here and what is the bigger story?
0: Yes, right, yeah, the idea of The best creative process is not to lock yourself into a room and have a blank canvas or a blank computer screen in front of you, an empty table, a block of wood, you know, whatever it may be, and then force it to come. That's unbelievably cruel. And I actually know people who try that. You know, I have a message. I want to do something. And they'll sit down and they'll go, okay, I need to write. And I go, you understand that that is almost trauma inducing yes like that's such an unkind way to go about the creative process your whole new slant your whole new bent and now it's becoming a big part of your life message is this is something you can actually do in companionship with god like out of actual intimacy with god
1: it's the only way i think that you can really sustain your creativity and awaken to its full potential Anything else, you get taste, you get glimpses, you get some breakthrough. Mm. Yeah, John. And that's why, with authors specifically, so many will base a success on their day in terms of their word count. Oh, yes. So, yep, I hit my 3,000 words today. Yeah. Well, all you've proven at that point is that you can hit a word count or a deadline. You haven't proven that you've created something of eternal value. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one way the enemy distracts us is he gets us focused on external measurement and mm-hmm. comparison mm-hmm. so we can check a box. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when's the last time you've come up to me or, or one of your sons and said, I've got this great book. And what I love about it is the author hit their word count of 2,500 words every day as they yeah. were writing it. Right. Like who cares, yep. right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So that brings us to... The subject of our podcast today, Alan has a new book out. It's a book on creativity. It's a book on the creative process, but mostly it's centered in the idea of uh, companionship with God, creativity as a co labor process with the Creator. The title of the book is The Story of With. And the subtitle is A Better Way to Live, Love, and Create. Staff is really enjoying the book. A number of our friends are really enjoying the book. Before we kind of get in and unpack some of the ideas here, how does it feel? You finally have your own book out.
1: It feels really good. And what feels best is that I really feel like this was born through a process with God. Because I've been around the publishing and the creation of probably five to 600 novels from being a publisher. right? And I've seen all kinds of ways books were put together and born and some of the stress and striving and craziness that went into it. And so I did not want this to be born that way because I, I really don't believe something can have a lot of eternal life if it's born out of striving and out of the mm-hmm. wrong motives. Mm-hmm. Like it can be excellent literature, but mm. it can't have an eternal spark, I don't mm. believe. So that was big to me, John. And as I finished this book, it was about a three-year process because I was doing it in my spare time, not, not full-time. But I was able to say, God, we did it. Like, we did it. Yeah. And it wasn't something that was forced by a contract deadline or it wasn't something that had an artificial due date. Those three years were, for me, times of understanding God deeper. And that got put into the journey of writing. So it couldn't have been done quicker. Yeah, Explain the title. The title really reflects the fact that most of us live in a story of without. So by that, I mean, without a lot of deep friendships, without a lot of hope, without a lot of dreams realized, and even without a lot of intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. So we believe in God but believing in God and living an active intimate life with him are two really different things. Mm. So the story of with as a title means, how do we shift the story we're living and the story of our creativity into a story with God? Mm. And it it is the foundation, and yet it's one of the things I think most Christians miss because we get so busy doing things for God, including our gifting and, and our talents, or to tell people about God, that we somehow miss the real invitation is from God, let's do this together. Yeah, And so we become productive and we miss his presence.
0: Yeah. The book is done in a very, very creative way. It is a book about creating. It is a book about intimacy with God, but Alan has structured it as a story. It's a fiction story has a protagonist, a character, a young woman named Mia, and it's the story of her life, the story of her coming to freedom, the story of the various assaults on her heart. And I'm not going to give the ending away. We're going to leave that hanging. But then as Alan goes along, he'll tell some of Mia's narrative, kind of tell stories, and then pause and make observations about that.
1: Yep, the way the book is structured is, it's an allegory, but at the end of every chapter, it's a little section of a page, maybe two, called The Shift to Width. And that's an invitation for me to the reader to say, what you're seeing here, how does that play out in your life? And so it addresses certain themes, like identity, expectancy, mm-hmm. an awakened heart. Yep. And, and it really just is a pause in the narrative of the story for the reader to catch their breath, think about their own life, and then back into the story.
0: Yeah, and it starts with the protagonist is a young woman who has a dream. She wants to be a chef, and she's trying to make that dream happen in a pretty harsh world where a lot of people don't get to realize their dreams, and you can see the heartache and the cynicism and, and that kind of thing coming in there, some of the agreements that she's making. And it really only is kind of once the, the shift hits the fan <laughs> that, like that. that Mia begins to be a little bit open. And this isn't just like a quick change here. The girl's got a journey to take. She's a pretty stubborn character.
1: Right. And I wanted to take the reader into kind of a fantastical world because so much of what the invitation is, when you step into trying to see with new eyes boy, it's mystical. It feels a little unsafe. It disrupts the way you've maybe always lived your life. (laughs) And so through this story, I wanted the reader to go on a journey with Mia and really take her into a fantastical place that draws the reader along with Mia to start going, wait a minute, that is kind of how I approach my life or creativity or the loss of things that feel like they've just, dreams have died or been stolen. Mm -hmm. And quickly, John, it it takes readers, uh, along with Mia, she has to enter into story through this journey. And so I think it's a shortcut to the heart of sometimes what keeps us from fully realizing our dreams and potential with God.
0: Friends, you're gonna really enjoy this book that Alan's written, The Story of With a better way to live, love, and create. I want to unpack some more of that, but I think we'll do that in the next episode of this podcast. You've been listening to the Ransom Tar podcast with John Eldridge and Alan Arnold.